Well, good morning. My name is Peter, and I'm one of the pastors here at City Harvest, and uh, I'm just glad that you are here today. Um, we are going to be opening up the Bible. We like to read from the Bible. We believe that it's a good idea. And if you are in need of a Bible so that you can read along with us, will you raise your hand so the ushers can bring you one and leave it up until they get it to you? There's one in front of the sound booth just to make sure that he doesn't get blocked by it. But leave your hand up. And when you get the Bible, or if you have your Bible, if you will open it to the book of Acts, you're going to be kind of flicking through about three quarters of the way. You're going to get to Matthew, then you're going to get to Mark, then you're going to get to Luke, and then you're going to get to John, and then you're going to get to Acts. If you happen upon the Romans, you went a tad bit too far, go backwards. So the book of Acts chapter 2, we, uh, you know, we started out this year going through the starving series, and uh, which sounds very gruesome, but uh, the idea with it is that we're really, we're hungry for more of God. And we were stretching ourselves in, whether it be journaling, Bible reading, writing notes of appreciation, uh, beginning to fast from different things, not just food, but other things that take our attention and can distract us from spending more time with Jesus, and kind of went through that, um, and really then started talking about what's on that far wall there, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. And that that is an overarching theme for this year, that we want his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Which means we're letting go of our own kingdoms and we're letting go of our own will. And if you're like me, that's not always easy. Um, anybody here ever have a hard time taking off your own crown? Because it's beautiful and it just feels like it fits just right. And why, if you got one, why take it off and submit it to Jesus? But you know, we have to let go of what we believe are our rights, what we believe are our freedoms, what we believe we deserve, what we believe we've earned. We let go of that to say, Lord, this isn't really about what I accumulate. This isn't really about um, how I feel in the moment. This is about, God, I, I want to know your identity for me. And I want to walk out the purpose that you have for my life. And in that, I know there's going to be times where I might feel a little alone. I might feel um, a little uh, inadequate. I might feel a little uncomfortable. I might feel a little scared. But God, I know that you will be sufficient. And God, you will work through it. So Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In each one of us individually and us as a church family. That we wouldn't be about just putting on a service. We wouldn't be about putting on a show. We wouldn't be about just can we up our attendance numbers. We would be about Lord are you being glorified. And God when we walk out of here do we walk out different than we walked in. And then when we walk out do we wherever we go whether we go to school whether we go to our homes, whether we go to our neighborhoods, whether we go to our workplaces, wherever we go, do we go as his ambassadors? 
saying, Lord, I don't represent my kingdom. I'm not going as the head of state of Peterville. God, I'm going as an ambassador, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, of the kingdom of heaven to wherever you place me. So God, I wanna, I wanna flush out. I wanna cleanse out all of me. And Lord, we wanna receive all of you in our life. Change us, mold us, shape us, prune us that you would come. That's our heart cry for this year. And... Uh, Looking at leading up into Easter and just um, the disciples, their reaction to Jesus and what was going to take place coming out of that and just what took place with, with his death and, and their reaction and looking at the similarities. You know, never just reading the, the story and reading uh, what other people's uh, responses is like, huh, that's interesting. They, ye of little faith. No, I'm a person of little faith. Or, huh, it's interesting that they're so dense. I mean, Jesus said it over and over and over. I am not staying here. I'm going. The prophecies must be fulfilled. And yet they were shocked. Well, it's interesting how many things he tells me over and over and over. And yet I still am a little shocked. Like, what? How did that happen? We can So we read, not looking to read a story, but we read looking for the character of God and what is he saying about each one of us. So going through there, then looking at Jesus comes back and, and he's, he's then reconnecting with the disciples and uh, they're getting pumped up again, but he's charging them to go out into all the world. That is the same exact charge that he's putting on every single one of us in the room. And we can look and we can say, me, really? Would he really want to use me? Yes, he wants to use you. Doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your family background, doesn't matter the mistakes you've made, he wants to use you. He wants to reveal himself to a very select group of people and you are the perfect tool for that. You're the perfect ambassador for that. But he said, listen, it's not just the knowledge or what you caught as you were walking with me. I'm sending you another. When I go, it's actually going to be better for you. I am sending you Holy Spirit to be the comforter. We need comfort. To be the helper. Let me tell you, I need help. To be the convictor. Man, I need God to come and shine a light in so many dark places of my life to reveal things to me that I either am too scared to deal with or things that uh, uh, maybe I'm not even willing to look at or maybe things that I don't even know are there. Holy Spirit comes to bring a conviction on that, not to beat us up, not to bring shame or condemnation, but a conviction to where then we have an ability, we have the opportunity to respond and say, here I am, God. Come and operate on me. Jesus tells the disciples to stay, to wait for Holy Spirit to come and to give them power. Really saying, do not go out in your own strength. Don't run ahead of the anointing of God. We talk about it just because we got the what, slow down and pause, and then ask God for the how. 
Ask God for the when. Ask God for the why. Not, not you're not testing him. You're trying to slow down to make sure that you stay with him in his timing. We can read again where those that kind of went before us, they didn't kind of, they did go before us. They, where some ran ahead of God and it gets them into trouble because they got the what, but they didn't wait for the when or the how and they just ran and did it in their own strength. So he's saying, hey, hold up. I want you to stay here and the whole in wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And I'm going to pour a power over you. But the power wasn't to be strong and, and, um, and overpowerful to, to go and conquer in a physical way. But the power was to be filled with the power of God to go out and to do what Jesus said would be even greater things than he had done. Why would it be greater? Because it would go to all the world. And it would be done over and over and over again. And that's exactly what he wants to do with us. He wants us to wait for him. So we wait on God. We wait for the presence of God to come. And then he wants us to walk out in faith and allow him to work through us wherever he's sending us. You might hate. How many of you, we're not going to use hate because that's a strong word and some of us aren't supposed to use it. How many of you casually dislike the place you call home or the neighborhood you call home? Anybody here casually dislike it? Wow, this is a content church. Come on. Well, I just want you, here's the deal though. Is sometimes it's good for us to stop and say, Lord, why am I here? Who is it that you want me to see in this place? Whether the neighbors are loud or the house is too small or the, the, the rent or mortgage is too much or there's somebody that speeds down the road all the time, whatever it is, you just don't like the color of the carpet, um, the family room is rectangle and you've always been a square person, um, the ceilings are just you know, a little too high, you can't change the light bulb or they're a little too low where when you're doing home group, your fingers are touching the top and it leaves marks, whatever it is, why does God have you there? And he places us places for a reason. Maybe it's your job, maybe it's your school, whatever it is, he placed you somewhere for a reason because he wants to work through you. So the disciples, they did wait. Good job to them. And uh, Holy Spirit fell on them. So much so that people thought that they were drunk early in the morning because they just weren't acting all that normal. To me, there's something in there where I don't want to be weird to be weird, but I also don't want to be scared of allowing God to fully consume me for the sake of trying to look normal. So we don't want to try to act spiritual just so we look weird, so we can say, look what God's doing. He doesn't need our help in that way. And that just hinders things. On the other hand, we don't want to be to where we're so reserved that we don't step out and allow God to do what he wants to do in us because it's like, ah, this could look a little foolish. What if I start crying? What if I start laughing? What if, what if I get slain in the spirit and lay on the ground? Whatever it is. So then they go out and Peter preaches a message to a crowd. Goes through a lot of different things, but we're going to pick up. So that's in chapter 2. We're going to pick up at verse 41. So Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And we're going to go through 47. 
And um, Jules, will you come up? Jules was voluntold um, about <clears throat> right as we were going into the last song, Cornerstone. And uh, she was just so happy that she decided to sit on the front row to my left. She just knows it was the blessing of God. And, uh, but we're going into a series where we're going to be kind of looking, not just in a sermon series, but kind of looking at, as we, we look at his kingdom come, his will be done, is kingdom versus culture. Now, let me just say right off the bat, this is not talking about kingdom like church versus culture like the world, and it's not an us versus them mentality. What we're talking about is the kingdom of heaven mindset versus all of our mindsets, okay? We're also part of culture, and it's kind of the, the human way of thinking, and what is our natural tendency, what's the magnetic pull for each one of us and how we respond to things. So really looking at what is the kingdom way of viewing things and responding and acting versus what is our natural way. So please hear that when we say culture, it's not us all looking out the door and pointing at them. No, all 10 of my digits are pointing right here. I'm talking about my culture. I'm talking about my mind, I'm talking about my selfishness, I'm talking about my responses, my anxiety, me, versus the kingdom of God. All right, Jules, let's do this, you ready? Here you go, nice and loud, clear, fast enough to get through it, but slow enough just where it's crisp, okay? So just perfect, don't mess it up. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All, the, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Come on. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right. So we're going to look here, verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added. So they were listening to the message something took place, there was a conviction, uh, God fell upon them, they surrendered their life to Jesus, and they were added. There's around 3,000 in all that were then added to the church from that time. And it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So there's several different parts in this. So you have the teaching, meaning there's coming together like this and there's teaching that takes place or maybe in a small group, but where, where we're all, we're being sharpened, where our mindset, where we're, we're learning things and we're being challenged to, 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 to change kind of our own perspective. In fellowship, we need relationship. Fellowship is relationship. Now, in the church, there's a lot of fellowship halls and um, if you ever watch like, 
There's some funny YouTube videos of different people that make fun of words that are in the church. Anybody ever seen any of those? Um, they're a little offensive because we use a lot of them, so that's why I'm not going to go through them all. But fellowship is one that you don't hear a lot of time in the workplace. Um, you know, if you work for a big corporation, they're not like, let's gather around. We're going to gather around for a time of fellowship. Uh, no, they call that cocktail hour, or they call that a meet and greet, or they call it, let's just gather around, or social. Um, but fellowship just sounds sweet and nice. So they gathered for teaching and to fellowship and sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, communion, and to prayer. So you have, there's teaching there. You have fellowship, which is relationship. You have meals, sitting down and, and, and gathering. We, we did a, in the fall of last year, I think it was early fall, something like that, talked about radical hospitality. We even adjusted the church calendar and schedule to free up nights that we weren't asking people to be in the building every single night of the week or where you're just so consumed with just church activities that you don't get to, one, have a day off, nor have an opportunity to even invite neighbors over. So created more and more space for that. But for us to be hospitable in a radical way where we invite people over, Taking communion in prayer. It says a deep sense of awe came over, all, over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Now I want to put up a slide um, calling it the five roots of connection. Now why roots? Uh, we use the word thriving a lot here. And that we want to, um, one of the things is for each one of us to thrive. And we also talk about um, trees and use that as an example. That in the same way, different trees are designed for different climates and in different places where they're going to get the nutrients, they're going to get the, the moisture in the air, they're going to get the amount of sun, they're going to be at the right elevation to where that tree thrives. And not all trees belong in the same climates. Some trees, you put them on the coast, they're just going to drown in fog and moisture. Other trees, you go put them on top of a mountain, and they can't get nutrients from the rocks. But each one of us, God has placed us, wants us each in a church family and in a church home where our roots can go down deep so that we can thrive. So that when the wind blows and the storm comes and adversity takes place, that we're there and our roots have gone deep. Okay, so do we have that slide, the five roots? There she is. Five roots of connection. So this, this isn't, um, I'll just say it, this is my opinion. Okay, there we go. What I will say about this, though, is I've never had somebody where I sat down with someone who wasn't feeling connected and wasn't um, feeling like they were thriving where one of these five things wasn't missing. Every time somebody doesn't feel connected or isn't feeling um, satisfied or something like that, one of these five things is missing. Now let me say this. I don't believe this is to church for every single person because I just talked about different trees. Each one of us are different. I'm a great big fan of the great big redwood. Any redwood fans out there? Okay, I grew up in the 
Northern California on the coast, and I just thought all trees were redwoods and that big. And then I went to the rest of the world, basically 45 minutes out of my town, and realized that they're not. Um, but each one of us, we need to be where God wants us to be. We got to realize who has he called us to be and where does he want us to be planted. So sometimes we don't feel connected because he actually wants us to go somewhere else to thrive, where he has designed for us to be. But if we're here, I believe being a self-feeder, what's that mean? Actively taking ownership of our own personal relationship with God and regularly pursuing him, opening up our Bible on our own, prayer. Here in a little bit, that's vague because I actually don't know what the little bit means, but it'll be in the future-ish, uh, is we're going to do a challenge just for each one of us to spend 15 minutes with God a day. We can think, man, 15 minutes. Now, some of you in here, super saints, you guys are, um, you know, spending hours on, on end. But I'm sure there's at least a couple of you that would stand with me in the category that sometimes a day could go by and you haven't spent any time with God in an actual slowing yourself down way to just be with God. But we got to take ownership for that. It's not someone else's job to make us do it. It's our job to take ownership and to do that. So being a self-feeder. Sunday celebration services, regular participation and engagement. It's important for us to come together like this. Now there's days where we go on vacation. There's days where someone's sick or, um, you know, you just pulled every muscle in your body weeding on Saturday afternoon. Uh, you know, whatever it is. But it's important for us to gather together. And it's not always for what, sometimes we think, I don't think I need anything out of it. Okay, I disagree, but maybe so. I've had those thoughts as well. But it's also always about what does God want to do through you? And in a sense, who are you robbing of the blessing of God through your life when we don't gather? When we pray, you can think, ah, what do I have? I, I'm not super good with speech, or I don't prophesy like Pastor Bob does, or I, I don't know. No, there is a blessing that God, you know, in the word it says over and over, it's not about how long we pray. It's not about the special words we use. It's about our heart. So we got to come together. We unite as family. We come around one another. We come around people that are different than us that talk different, vote different, act different, think different. But what we have in common is Jesus Christ. We come together, and that's what we pray into. Community life, regular participation in community groups and discipleship ministries. Going places where we're being stretched and we're, and we're able to open up and share what God is doing in our own life, being vulnerable, saying, I'm, I'm struggling today. I'm having a hard time but it's also a time to go into deeper um, discussion where it's not just really, you know, in this setting, you're kind of listening. I'm talking and you're listening, but a, a setting where we're all kind of sharing. It's important. Serving, active, actively participating on a celebration serve team. That's ownership. Now, it's not because that's not up there because we currently have 20 vacancies and how quickly can we get those 20 vacancies filled? It's about what does God want to do through you as you step out and serve, as you take ownership. I loved serving because I found that a lot of times it, it got me showing up when I didn't want to show up. 
Anybody here ever have that experience? And through it, I ended up being blessed. And I thought, I don't have the energy, I don't have the time, I don't have whatever, but God worked through it. Last one, tithing, everybody's favorite word. Giving, who said amen, amen day, that amen, yeah, whoo! Tithing, giving a consistent first fruit percent of our income. Now in the Bible, it's defined as 10%. Our encouragement is, if you don't tithe, you don't give a first fruit. So we're not just talking about a general offering, but talking about something where you're saying, here's what I bring in. And Lord, I see what I get, not as my money and how much do I have to give you, but I see what comes in on my paycheck and my resources as yours. What do you want me to do with it? But right off the top, as a form of appreciation, as a form of gratitude, as a form of reminding myself that everything I have is actually yours, I am right off the bat giving this to you as a first fruit. Before I take care of anything else, I'm saying, here you go. Let me tell you from personal experience, it's difficult. Let me tell you from personal experience, it can feel like a real sacrifice. Let me tell you from personal experience, as I've said, I look at other people buying boats or new cars or different things. I wonder how they do it. Then I look at what I'm giving in tithes and I realize, oh, maybe that's how they do it. And then from personal experience, there's a thought that goes through my head that says, well, maybe back off a tad bit on your giving and you can partake in that celebration as well. I want to keep challenging myself to see God as the one who provides for me. So, first fruit, it's, it's at the beginning. Percent, those, the little circle with the line and the next little circle. Uh, like I said, the Bible defines it as 10%. There can be a lot of debate on that, and I'm not going to do a visual survey of how many in this room think it's 10 and how many don't. Um, we could have a real polarization, and that just wouldn't be good for community. Here's what I would say, though. Wherever you're at is stretch yourself. You currently don't give, start with 1%. You're at 2%, stretch yourself to 3%. I believe with all of my heart, it actually says in Scripture, to test God in this area. I believe with all of my heart, I believe enough in the principle that I would say, see what God does for you. And just stretch yourself. And see what happens. I would say, look at these five. And wherever you're maybe a tad bit weak, is stretch yourself to go a little deeper in one of those, in those areas. And I believe what you'll see is a deeper connection with the body. As we gather together, as we get into community, as we serve one another. Okay. Verse 45. This is where it gets really fun. This is the one I think everyone wants me to skip. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Who's excited about that? <laughs> now, I don't think the, the moral there, my belief isn't that every single one of us goes and sells everything that we have and just bring it in. The idea is that we're generous. The idea is that we're radical. The idea is that we care for one another's. That we look beyond our own needs and we see others in need and we care for them. We don't just say, well, that's government's responsibility to take care of those people. Or, well, that's their own fault. Do you know how many situations I'm currently in that are my own fault? 
I still need God to come and help me. And so it's having the mindset that what we have is also for the blessing. So we put up the radical giving one. And uh, here's the ways that we give. Um, five different ways. The tithing, again, we gladly and consistently bring our first fruit percent of our income, acknowledging that what we have is from him. Offerings. This is above and beyond the tithe. We cheerfully give, key word there, cheerfully give above and beyond our tithes in gratitude of his blessings in our life. Care. We come alongside those who are in need to help them. Outreach. We give to see our neighbors and city blessed with the love of God and the good news. Extension. We partner with extending the kingdom of God to every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. Those are all different ways that we give. I don't know if you give to certain ones of those, but I would just throw out there that you... Pray about it. Lord, how do you want me to give them my resources? Now, let me just say, if you happen to bring a neighbor and you're like, dear God, is this really the Sunday where I, anybody here ever bring some, like a neighbor and you're like, please don't have them talk about this subject, this subject, or this subject. <laughs> anybody here ever experience that? And then you bring them and they're doing that very subject. I just say, I'm sorry. And if you're the neighbor, I don't know what to tell you. Um, here's the deal. This isn't about, can we twist each other's arms or guilt each other into something. What I'm pointing at is what I believe creates connection and community. What I'm pointing at is what I believe biblically we're called to give to in resources in different ways. And what I'm asking isn't just that you walk blindly into this, but that you go and you talk to Holy Spirit, your helper and your comforter, to bring a conviction that is from Holy Spirit alone, not from me, not from the person sitting next to you. Lord, how do you want me to give? How do you want me to care for others? How do you want me to serve? How do you want me to get involved? Cool, did it. All right, verse 46. Ushers, will you come forward and uh, begin preparing the, the communion? Verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. We're going to take communion here. And um, here uh, over Easter, we had uh, these slides of Jesus washing different people's feet. It's different people from different backgrounds, the pictures, different... Um, People that maybe you might think don't deserve to have their feet washed. Different faith groups. And uh, we're going to just watch it as this is passed around. And then um, just hold on to your elements. And then I'll give a little more instruction when it's done. <laughs> 